0: Very specific instructions. Instructions mean everything. If you follow instructions, the outcome will be favorable. They will be deliverable. But you have to follow the instructions precisely. I don't know if you have children and you've ever bought Christmas presents and all the grandparents buy the Christmas presents that have 5,000 pieces. And the dad has to put them together. And there are precise instructions. And you put this toy together, and it takes hours, and you're trying to follow the directions. And you get to the end, and you have like five extra pieces that I quickly throw away so my wife doesn't see. Because I'm not going back to start over. At that point, I don't have the patience. I have a rule in my house. If you buy it from Ikea, you put it together. I I cannot, I mean, that is, you have to be a rocket scientist to put something together, a simple chair from Ikea. If you never shopped at Ikea, don't. Your husband will love you if you never shop at Ikea. So Jesus gave them specific instructions here. He told his disciples here, he goes, listen, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And they were, the Bible says they were chosen by the Holy Ghost. They were chosen, they were selected. You, don't, you need to choose your people that are around you. You need to let the Holy Ghost help you select those people that are close to you. You need to let the Holy Ghost help you select those people that are around you, not just people that like you, not that just people that are nice to you, but you need to let the Holy Ghost help you select people that are close to you. It's incredible that after suffering the cross, Jesus appeared to his disciples for over a 40-day period. Jesus proved to them with convincing signs that he was resurrected. He shared meals with them. He ate with them. He talked with them. Do you know that in many times if Fortune 500 companies, when they do interviews with people they want to hire, they want to hire a new CEO, they go out to eat with that person. Because you will learn who that person is when you're out to eat with them. When you order the Blooming Onion at Outback, if they take the last Blooming Onion without asking, is anybody else hungry? That means that they're self-centered. And that when push comes to shove, if you hire them, they're going to they're gonna take care of themselves and not the company. It's, that's their interview process on top of the interview because they really want to get to see how you are. Because what you say is one thing, but who you are is another thing. So they began to talk. But you said, what, what if the guy, I'm starving, it doesn't matter. It's, it's the polite thing to do is to ask. It's a polite thing to do. It's the right thing to do. So, Jesus instructed them here. Instructions are very important. Remember the IKEA directions. Remember the directions when you open something and you have to put together this desk that your wife bought. The instructions are important. Jesus gave them very important instructions. Here it is. It's very simple. He goes, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you received the gift. Wait here. So the first thing he tells them is don't leave Jerusalem. But why would he tell them not to leave Jerusalem? Because their natural reaction would be to leave Jerusalem. Why would they leave Jerusalem? Because the person they called Lord and Savior, the person they called the Messiah was killed. And then there was a resurrection. And the people began to think that the disciples had stole Jesus' body. So who do you think was next to be crucified in their mind. They were next. So their natural reaction is to leave Jerusalem. But it's very important the gift couldn't arrive in Bethany, it couldn't arrive in Nazareth. It, the, we had very specific instructions for them to stay in Jerusalem. It is very important for you that you understand in your life that you have a Jerusalem where you're supposed to stay, where you're supposed to be rooted and grounded, where you're supposed to put down your family here and have some roots. Why? Because there, there is a Jerusalem for you that is important. You can't just move around and you can't just try different things and you can't, let me tell you, if they don't preach Jesus' name baptism, if they don't teach the essentiality of being filled with the Spirit, it's not your Jerusalem. This is your Jerusalem. Why couldn't the gift arrive anywhere else? Because Jerusalem was significant and Jerusalem is still significant today because God said in the Old Testament that Jerusalem is my city. It is my city where I'm going to rule and reign. So here's what I'm going to tell you. if In Jerusalem, when God chooses a city, it's not just important for a year. It's just not important in the Old Testament. It's just not important in the New Testament. That city is important forever. Because when there is a new heaven and a new earth, there's going to be a new What? A new Jerusalem. There's not going to be a new Tulare. There's not going to be a new California. There's not going to be a new United States. But there will be a new Jerusalem. So you got. that's why he said the Holy Ghost is not going to fall for the first time. It's not going to fall in Bethany or Nazareth. It's coming to Jerusalem. So when God gives you specific instructions, even when you feel like you should run the other way, I'm here to tell you, you better stay in Jerusalem. Places matter. Where you are and who you are determines how you are. Have you ever flown? I know Brother Abbott's been all over. And you've flown into another city. You've flown into another nation. And it feels different in the atmosphere. My wife and I went to a I'm not going to name the city but it was on the east coast. We were going back there to do a camp last not this summer, last summer. And as we drove into the city, and they took us into the deep part of where we were having this camp, in a downtown area, you could feel the oppression and the depression in that city. And we talked to ourselves. We're like, this, I've been in South Africa. I've been in the Philippines. And I'm here to tell you that that city was under demonic oppression when we rolled into that city. There was spiritual battle that we had to, to take forth, and it was a youth camp, and they were doing this youth camp downtown in the city to try something new, and it was powerful, we had breakthroughs in there, but we had a break so I'm not trying to be hooky spooky, I'm not, but I'm telling you there is different levels and there's different things. That different. Not every city, not every building you walk into has the glory that this building has when you walked in here. You can walk into McDonald's and it's not going to have the same feel as this building. You can walk into another city and it doesn't have the same because there's been a church in this city where there's been people praying over this city that's been calling out darkness and bringing down light. So it's important. When we walked into that city last year, we had, I, man, we had to begin to pray, and we had to begin. There was a spirit of depression. I mean, you would look down this, the alleyways, and there was mattresses and people laying on them, and you could see there was all kinds of bodily functions that had been done on that alley. And, then, and right next to it, there would be kids playing. This wasn't in China. This wasn't in some third world. This was in America. That's why it's important that you stay in Jerusalem. Jerusalem wasn't just any city. It was the prophetic city. Listen, it was the city that David conquered. Go to 2 Samuel 5 and 6. You can research this later. It just wasn't any city. Listen here. It said this. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who spoke to David, saying, You shall not come in here, but the blind... And the lame will repel you. David cannot come in here. And they taunted him, saying, the blind and the lame. The Jebusites would sing to him, you're so weak, our lame will keep you out. You're so weak, our blind will keep you out. So Jerusalem wasn't just any city. It was the prophetic city here in the Old Testament. What did they say when Jesus was in Jerusalem? They said, son of David, have mercy upon me. That David conquered this city and that Jesus was there and he was the lineage of David. They said, son of David, have mercy upon me. Inevitably, the centerpiece of Jesus' ministry was Jerusalem. To this day, this city is important. Why did they want to wait? Why did they have to wait in Jerusalem? Because Jerusalem was the city of destiny. Because even the people that lived there taunted David and said, hey, David, you can't take this place. Our weakest of our weakest and our sickest of our sick can keep you out. They taunted him. Don't take my word for it. Go look it up. And I was listening the other day to a podcast and it was on the history of Jerusalem and this, this I never read this, I never understood this, but I, I did research this after I heard it. There's an archaeologist talking. He said of all 30-some miracles that Jesus performed. There were only two miracles done inside the city walls of Jerusalem. Of all the miracles ever performed, do you want to know what miracles they were? What two miracles they were? Go to John chapter 5 when you have time. He healed the lame man in Jerusalem. Go to John chapter 8. He gave sight to the blind man in Jerusalem. Every other miracle was done outside the walls of Jerusalem I want you to know that Jesus took care of everything the enemy said would stop him and Jesus took care of everything the enemy said would stop you Jesus took care of the blind and the lame that taunted him let me tell you that Jesus took care of everything the enemy did and everything the enemy has used to taunt you When Jesus died on the cross, when he shed his blood, when he was resurrected on the third day, Jesus Christ of Nazareth took care of everything the enemy said would stop you. If you believe that nothing can stop you, not because of who you are, but because of Jesus Christ, I want you to give him some praise this morning. Let me tell you, I said he took care of everything back then. Not he's going to, not he will one day, but my God and Savior Jesus Christ took care of everything when he was on the cross and when he came out of that grave. There is nothing, nothing, nothing that can stop you with Jesus. Jesus. Everything the enemy said that he would use to stop your family, he took care of it. Everything the enemy used that he said he would stop your destiny, he took care of it. Everything the enemy said that he would use to stop your dream, Jesus Christ took care of it. He took care of it. You need to speak that to yourself tomorrow morning. When you're going into work, when you you wake up battling something, you need to say, he took care of it. He took care of it. When that anxiety comes on you, you need to say, He took care of it. When you're worrying about your finances, He took care of it. When you're worrying about your children going to school, I plead the blood over them, and Jesus already took care of them. He took care of it. So, what are you worrying about? What are you anxious about? What are you concerned about? What are you sweating about? What are you fretting about? What can't you not sleep about? You need to put a shout on your lips, and you need to put some praise in your heart because Jesus Christ took care of it. Come on, somebody. I know it's Sunday morning, but do you, can you, I think you got a few reasons to praise him, and one of the reasons you have to praise him is because he already took care of it. He took care of it. He took care of everything that would impede you from living a holy life, a happy life, a blessed life, a humble life, an honoring God life. He took care of that. He took care of everything that would impede your children from living a blessed life. So, why would you leave the place that God conquers so you could possess it? Why would you leave it? Why would you leave the place that God cleared so you could build? So don't leave Jerusalem because verse 8, and you will be my messengers to Jerusalem with the Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you have to be in Jerusalem. I've seen far too many people in my life. I'm not nearly as old as Bishop. I'm guaranteed Bishop's got way more wisdom and stories that he could talk to you about. But I'm here to tell you, I've in my short 20 years of ministering this precious gospel. I've had more people walk away from this thing and come back to me and say, I've messed up. Now my family's messed up. Now my kids don't know the Lord. My kids don't know the presence of the God Almighty. My kids don't serve this. My kids, they're just living. My kids are drug addicts and my kids are alcoholics. Because I, I don't know, I, I, just started, I, wanted to, I, just, I just couldn't wait any longer. Let me tell you, don't walk away from this thing. You gotta follow the instructions here. You gotta follow the instructions here. I left, they said, I've left my place of destiny and I paid the price. Some of them come back and they're alcoholics. Some of them come back and their marriages are broken and they, they just, they, they, if they would have just waited. People leave for a few reasons. They leave because of emotional momentum. They leave because their their decisions are just driven by emotions in a moment. Let me help you. You don't leave your job in the middle of an emotional decision. Why would you walk away from your salvation in the middle of an emotional moment? People leave for experiential reasons. They want to experience something new. I'm looking for a new thing. I'm looking for a new thing. You've been married for 15 years. you got three kids. And you want to go look for a new thing? You need to get up here and just get under the anointing. Yeah, they're, you don't live with them. That's why you think they're so awesome. Go Once you live with them for six months, you'll be running back. But it's too late then. Right? Everybody's got stinky breath in the morning. Not just your spouse. Emotionalism, experience. People leave because of ego. I live in America. I can go where I want to go. You can. You can go where you want to go. It's all about me. It's all about me. People leave because of fear failure, and pain. You don't have to leave your destiny just because you messed up. (laughs) You don't have to leave your dream just because you failed. See, put that pride aside and say, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. So what's coming your way is worth it if you will wait. Be honest. I mean, we struggle with waiting, right? I was driving here through LA and it's like, I just, my wife, this is why I don't leave Temecula. This is why we don't go to L.A. It's just like cars everywhere and it's a parking lot. And then, and then it's just, and, and we try to be good, right? We're Holy Ghost filled people. We try to be good. And then like the third time, that a third person cuts me off, I like get right on their, right on their rear end. And she's, stop it, stop it. We got kids in the car. I said I'm gonna show them who Jesus is right now. I hope they are ready to see their Maker. Right, but we try to be. I mean, we're good for the first three cut. Three times somebody cuts us off, but that fourth time, baby, it's over. I mean, the Holy Ghost has left the car. Have you? (laughs) Be honest. you have a hard? Raise your hand. You got a hard time waiting. Have. Have you ever been in line somewhere and just put the stuff down and walked out? I mean, I don't, because, I mean, I know you guys don't have Chick-fil-A here, but I'm a Chick-fil-A fan. They can have 20 cars in the drive through McDonald's can have two. And you can get through the Chick-fil-A line. And I've looked, and that sucker is still waiting in the McDonald's line. I mean, I'm sorry, I know, I know Jacob works at McDonald's. I'm sorry, Jacob, wherever you're at. But I'm like, I'll, I'll pass McDonald's because I don't want to wait. I mean, McDonald's—they oh, they, I saw the thing. My kids like McDonald's. They got the app, so I said, okay, I'm gonna order McDonald's. I'm just gonna pull in the parking lot and pick it up. I waited like 20 minutes in the parking lot for chicken nuggets. I don't like to wait, and we don't like to wait. So last year we took the kids big two years ago. We did a big waddle, rented a house, and went to Disney World. Oh, it was great. I mean, we picked the one week. The, the, we were there during prime peak spring break week, right? It was, I think they told us it was all of Canada's spring break. Well, thank you. We were waiting in line with the Canadians. I'm not kidding. We were waiting in one line, and Nixon looks over at me. Nixon does not like crowds. He does not... He will probably not talk to you. Please don't get offended. He's three. He just does not like crowds. He wants to go be on the farm with Brother Abbott and pet the dogs. That's just what he wants to do, okay? We're in line. He looks over at me. He goes, Daddy, I'm ready to go home. We'll pay $120 a person. I don't even know what that week cost me because we went to Disney three times. Okay? Okay? and we paid big money every day to wait in line. Because you know what, we knew that ride would be worth it if we would just wait. We knew those memories we made, Bishop, sitting down with all the Mickey characters and our kids and the light in their eyes, we knew those memories would be worth it now. I look back, I I look back at the pictures and I just smile. I, don't, I forgot that it was 99 degrees and humid. I forgot I had sweat from my head to my toe, and it wasn't a holy anointing sweat. And we, we're crazy because we're talking about doing it again. Because it was worth it. We'll pay big money to wait in line. Some people are willing to pay to wait, but they're not willing to wait for something that Jesus already paid for. The gift that I'm talking about is not some time with a mouse or a duck or some sea lion. But I'm talking about the greatest gift of all. The gift that doesn't come from Amazon. It doesn't come in your mailbox. It doesn't come in your email. You don't get it through social media. We're talking about the greatest gift delivered to this universe. When Jesus sent the Holy Ghost, there is no greater gift than the infilling of the Holy Ghost. There is no greater gift than the spirit of Jesus Christ inhabiting you. What I'm talking about is the greatest gift ever. Jesus said, you've been walking with me for three and a half years. Now I'm going to live in you for the rest of your life. How many of you are grateful for the gift of the Holy Ghost? How many know it's worth it to wait for the gift? He says this, what I send your way, God says, we'll change you, but you have to be willing to wait. But they're going to kill us. Jesus, we can't stay here. Just wait. In Jerusalem, don't leave. Don't go where you want to go. Don't do what you want to do. There's a lot of don'ts, but if you adhere to the directions, you're going to be filled, not just touched. Listen, that's important. <laughs> if you'll just adhere to the directions, you'll be filled, not just touched. My God, it's difficult to wait. It's so difficult to wait. It's not like Jesus said, go wait 39 days. Go wait 42 days. Go wait 24 hours. No, if he had said that, they could go and come back. They wouldn't have followed the directions. They could have done whatever they wanted. So they had, he said, just wait for the gift. Because some people just want to do their own thing until they think it's time. He didn't tell them you, could, you can go and come back. He said, no, you need to wait. So what day is it? I'm not going to tell you what day it's coming. What hour? I'm not going to tell you what hour. Waiting is it's hard. Waiting is difficult. Waiting is a challenge. Waiting tests our patience. Waiting puts our faith on trial because not everybody waits. Waiting requires trust. Waiting requires that you will believe the promise. Waiting requires that you will trust the word. Waiting requires that you will trust his promises in the Bible. When you know that you know that you know that you know and you know the worth the wait is worth it because you know what's coming. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know when it's coming. I don't know when your miracle's coming, but I know this, if you will just wait, the promise is coming for you. I've seen people that can't wait. Isaiah says they that wait upon the Lord. I know there's some elders in the house that know what it is like to wait on the Lord. My wife was a Waiter or waitress. What do waiters and waitresses do? How may I help you? What would you like to drink today? What would you like to drink? Okay. Oh, Bishop wants iced tea. You want it sweet from the south, Bishop? Or you want it no sugar? Are you a diabetic? Oh, he wants sweet and low. The best way you can make en tea sweet is one package of pink and one package of blue. I promise. Try it. It'll change your life. It's not as good as Chick-fil-A sweet tea, but it'll work. Okay. The waiters, what they do, it's all about them. And then they go back. Then they come back. Is there anything I can help you with? Instead of getting a bad attitude when you're waiting on the Lord to bring your miracle, why don't you go, God, it's all about you. Here I am. What can I do? I'm here to serve you, Lord. I'm here to love you, God. I'm here to wait on you. But no, we want to, I'm waiting. What's wrong with you today? I'm waiting. Don't treat God like you treat the doctor's office. Don't treat God like you treat the line at Starbucks. God, here I am. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. Because it's about him. I'm a waiter. Because those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Some of us are going to get it. The blessings are for those that wait. The Bible says that there are certain blessings that only come to the waiters. The Bible says there are certain promises. Here it is. If you wait, you'll have renewable strength. Your strength will be renewed. So I'm speaking to every tired and exhausted person in the room today. If you will just wait, I'm here to tell you that there is renewable strength coming to you today. For that you've been waiting. You didn't know that this morning was going to be your hour, but I'm here to tell you that this morning is your hour. Here comes some renewable strength for you. Verse, the second point. You will mount up with wings as eagles. And by the way, don't look at me and say eagles fly. Eagles don't fly, eagles soar. Eagles don't have to flap their wings. They can just catch a breeze in those wings and they begin to soar. Let me hear, I'm here to tell you this morning, you're gonna soar above your problems. You're gonna soar above your trauma. You're gonna soar above your cancer. You're gonna soar above your sickness. You're gonna soar above your diabetes. You're gonna soar above your arthritis. Because you've been waiting here, and today is your day. This morning is your morning. If you're gonna soar, I want you to give him a shout of praise. We're gonna soar. You're not just going to fly. You're going to soar. How many are tired of the clouds? You're going to soar. How many are tired of your storm? You're going to soar. You're tired of your pain? You're going to soar. Oh, I was read this morning as I was finished studying that the, the, the it says that the wings of eagles per pound are stronger than the wings of our airplanes. So your wings are stronger than any airplane that's flying out there. You're not going to crash down. You're not going to soar and come booming down. No, you are going to soar with the eagles. You are going to fly above everything the enemy has taunted you with today. Come on, give him praise. The Spirit of God is beginning to empower you right now. You're beginning to mount up right now. It's beginning to happen. The Bible says you will walk, which means you will have mobility. You will not be stagnant, you will not be complacent. And it says you will not faint, which means you will not fail. That's the word of God. Psalms 37:34 says this. If from the word of God, those that wait, if you wait, he will lift you up. He will exalt you to inherit land. You will look on the wicked who are cut off. Here you I know I'm going fast cuz time's getting away and you're missing it. But when you wait, God gives you an inheritance. When you wait, God gives you a piece of land. When you wait, he gives you inheritance. Because listen, 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 listen. Not everybody gets an inheritance. Only the waiters will get an inheritance. If you've been waiting, I'm here to tell you, your inheritance is coming today. God's going to give you something today. Listen, the Bible says this, my inheritance is not for my sake the psalmist said the inheritance is for the sake of my children, my children and my children's children. If the Lord tarries 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 years from now, your great-great-great-grandchildren will stand up and say that I am blessed today because of grandpapa and a grandmama, because they stayed in the church and they waited in the church and they waited on the miracle. This is not God's honest truth. Brother Abbott might know, the old Brother Irwin from Chicago, Illinois. My great-grandma was one of his first converts. And she got the Holy Ghost and came back. and, And she was living with my grandparents. And my grandparents knew nothing about the Holy Ghost. And she would pray in the middle of the night and wake them up. She'd be speaking in tongues. And my grandpa would hit my grandma and say, go over there and tell your mom to shut up. But because that little well, I don't even know if she was sweet. Because I mean great grandma was from West Virginia. She didn't play. And because of that little lady, there's about 40 some wattles that are in church today that I can look back and say. That I'm living an inheritance that my great grandma started way back in Chicago in a little storefront church that no one knew about. Somebody, some grandkid of yours is gonna be standing up and standing at a pulpit and saying, It's because of my great grandma, my great grandpa that I'm here today living in this truth. I have an inheritance. I have an inheritance because it's been passed down from generation to generation. The gift of the Holy Ghost is not just for you, it's a promise to your kids and your kids. Kids and your kids' kids. I'm here to tell you that your kids are not going to inherit your problems. They're not going to inherit your drama. They're not going to inherit your addiction. They're not going to inherit the demons that have chased you. What your kids will inherit is the blessings and the overflow of God because Jesus Christ already took care of everything else. The musicians will come. If you will stand it's okay if you can stand with us. They're going to inherit spiritual blessings, financial blessings. I don't know what a cigarette tastes like because that curse was broke. I don't know what it is to go to a party and be so drunk. I don't know who I wake up next to. That curse was broke. I don't know what it's like to have to come down from heroin because that curse was broke, Bishop. Let me tell you if you will just wait, if you will just wait, the blessings are coming. Today, you didn't know you were going to walk in here, and I don't know what you've been dealing with. I haven't talked to Bishop. I don't know nobody. I mean, I recognize some faces from last year, but I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here to tell you. You've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and today, it's about to break up here. The anointing's about to break, and some things are going to break because you've been waiting patiently. Listen, listen. Psalm 37, 34. When you wait, you will witness the enemies of your destiny defeated. (laughs) It's not a human being. You got to stop blaming human beings. Don't call somebody else your enemy. Our enemies are not physical. People can be used, but they're not physical. The enemies are not physical. They are spiritual powers and principalities. They are powers of darkness. It's addiction, bondage, idolatry, hatred, greed, pride, selfishness. But the gift is worth waiting for. When God gave the directions, there were about 500 waiting. But 380 couldn't wait anymore. Did you know that? We're going to wait till we get this. We're going to wait until we get it. They came up and shook the pastor's hand. I'm going to make this my church. Oh, but there was a party in Bethany. There was something to do in Nazareth. 120 stuck around and then suddenly the gift is coming. Suddenly the gift is coming. The promise of the gift is coming. I know not everybody here needs the Holy Ghost. There's different types of waiting. Here's what I know too. Part of me, Bishop, wants to go back to when we didn't have cool sound systems and cool lights. <laughs> I know I probably told this story, but back in the day, my grandpa, before he ever got in church, he's a little kid, they would throw beer bottles in the Pentecostal church Sunday night as they were having church. But I don't know, but I just really believe that somebody in that building was praying over those people. Because my grandpa became a pastor of a Pentecostal church. When he got older, he got filled with the Holy Ghost at 31 years old. I'm not downplaying anything, but you struggle with depression, young people, we're going to tear down that principality right now. You struggle, there is no need for you to be anxious because Jesus Christ already took care of everything. You're not sleeping at night? I take down the dark powers and forces that are keeping you awake, and I release the peace and the love of the Holy Ghost over your situation right now because Jesus Christ already took care of it. I'm not against therapy, but sometimes you don't need therapy. You need to have that spirit broken over you. I know what it's like to be laid out in the Holy Ghost and wake up 10, 15 minutes later. I know, but I want them to know what it's like. I want them to know what it's like. When the Holy Ghost gets so strong, that holy laughter breaks out in the room and, that the, and people begin to roll on the floor. It's okay if we and people begin to run around the building. What, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the Holy Ghost. The gift is here. We just have to keep it activated. If you and you and you and you and you and you and you don't keep it activated, they and they and they and they and they and they, and they, and they won't ever know it. If you want renewable strength, if you want to mount up with wings, if you want to walk and not fail, I'm opening this altar right now, because we're going to wait on Jesus, because the gift is worth the wait. You've been waiting, you've been struggling, you've been hurting. I'm here to tell you, the, the wait, you didn't know it, but the wait is over this morning. He's come right now for you. He took care of it already. He took care of it. He defeated it already. He beat it already. There's nothing that can stop you. 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 right now, the gift, the gift, the gift. all the waiters come on we're waiting on you Lord we're waiting on you Lord